you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B and J Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show today. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to make sure that we allow some time to be able to take calls today. So hopefully you'll uh, stick around for that to be able to engage us with some of the, excuse me, some of the information. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I want to do, what is common to how we do radio and, and how we talk about um, what would be considered current events, how we navigate those things. And so today's show is not going to be any different with the exception of maybe more reading than I normally do because there's some um, some information that I want to get to you. But I think in order for you to get the full impact of that information, it's probably helpful for me to read um, a letter that I'm, I'm going to read to you today. And I'm going to um, kind of hold that letter up against a passage of scripture, which will be for some people, it will be a lengthy passage of scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, I hope that, and well, anyway, uh, it'll be a lengthy passage of scripture, Uh, but that's what we do, right? We're looking at what is going on in the culture today. And we are asking biblical questions. We are asking, what do these events tell us about um, um, where we are on the timeline? You know, what is happening in culture that reveals Um, certainly um, the great need of humanity um, revealing the the plan of God and the promises of God that what God says about us is true. And um, our only hope and our only trust is also in what God says our only hope and our only trust is, and his name is Jesus. And and so we'll talk about that today. Um, But before we do that, I want to, I want to get into a little bit of background and, um, and and then from that background, I want to go into a letter from Pastor uh, John MacArthur. And this letter was posted to um, the Grace Church's website um, on December 29th, I believe it was, December 29th. And, um, and I think it's so important for us to talk about this because this will also harken back to a call that we got from a listener at the end of the year Mm -hmm. um, talking about what our brothers and sisters are bracing for in Canada. And I've alluded to this a little bit, but today is the day that I I, I really want to dig into it. And so, um, so let's just jump right in. Okay. So I want, I want to compare, well, here's the, here's the topic of the show or here's the title of the show. Pray in front of your windows, pray, 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 pray in front of your windows. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Shall we go? Let's let's head on lo- head on over to Babylon. Um, and well, which at this time it would be in the Persian Empire because mm. this would be under King Darius. But we'll talk about that. We'll we'll give a little bit of background and kind of talk about it. One of the things that I enjoy doing with our kids, people who might be new to listening to the show, um, I'll just reintroduce myself. So I'm Miki and um, uh, Will and I are married mm-hmm. and we are raising six children for the glory of God. 
And so we engage in regular communication with them about the truths of God's word and discipleship, training them, equipping them to stand in their generation. We believe that we've been entrusted with the gospel and every generation hands the gospel off to the next generation. And, you know, if you if you are um, athletic or if you, you know, have ever run like a relay race, it's the handoff that's the trickiest part, right? It's making sure that you've got the right timing, the right speed, and the right position, and that you're holding the baton securely. And usually when there's a foible or there's a problem, I know this because of research, not because I'm an athlete. (laughs) I just feel like it's really important to say that uh, just because of research. Uh, But if there's going to be a problem, it's in the handoff. It's in the person who is passing the baton, not in the person who's grabbing it, Mm. which I think is really interesting, right? Yeah, that'll Um, preach. Well, I mean, I actually did a presentation (laughs) on it. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Um, Crazy. That that was the reason for the research. I just, you know. Anyways, um, so, so what I'm saying is when we talk to our kids about the scriptures, one of the things that we think is really important for us to do is to make sure that we present the scriptures Um, alive as they are. What do I mean by that? I mean that we don't just say, um, you need to go read your Bible. You know what I mean? We we don't just say, um, what what are you reading in scripture? And and, no, we are actively talking about what we're reading in scripture Mm -hmm. and the fact that we are beholding our God as we read scripture, right? God is telling us something about himself. In fact, he is revealing himself to us. So often what we do, we talk about the scriptures, we give background and we talk about that background um, in a way that is engaging for our kids. It doesn't mean that we're trying to just, you know, perform for them, but man, the scriptures are electric. Like Mm. if you, you know, (laughs) Anyway, the scriptures are electric. So let me give some background on Daniel here, and then we'll look at the scriptures, and then we'll compare this to the call that has been placed out or the call that has gone out for pastors uh, from Pastor John MacArthur. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that this is an exciting call, and I'm excited to share it with you, and I'm excited to share it with you in enough time that anybody, anybody who is a pastor or who is an elder or who is um, has the ear of a pastor or an elder and can say, Hey, did you know this was going on that you can talk about it at your church? Because this is going on. It's happening right now. All right. So Daniel here we have, um, we often talk about some of the popular stories of Daniel, right? And one of those would be like Daniel in the lion's den. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be uh, the Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, right? But you've got Daniel who goes into Babylon as a fairly young man, um, maybe in his early 20s, Daniel is. Um, and, and you do that just kind of based on the age that he is as, as you witness the collapse or the fall of Babylon and then the rise of the second um, world kingdom, that comes after Babylon, the Persian empire, um, which in the Lord, and I'm kind of jumping around here. The Lord showed Daniel something amazing. I mean, the Lord showed Daniel the rise and fall of four kingdoms. And we, and we know from history that that was true, that that happened. So you've got the Babylonian empire, then you've got the Persian empire, then the Greek empire, then the Roman empire. You saw history tells us of the rise and fall of those empire empires. So then I get excited. So then basically the kingdom that is to come and, and what Daniel saw and told that has not yet come. Mm. Okay. 
So just let that just kind of like come to rest on our shoulders for a second. Right. But you've got Daniel who has um, survived Nebuchadnezzar. He has survived Belshazzar and he's making his way now into this second world kingdom under Darius. And the second world kingdom is so large that they've got these rulers over these of the various regions of the Persian empire, which would make sense because when you've got that much real estate, you need people to oversee it. Okay. So he's got Darius King. Darius has got 120 satraps. Okay. So these are like the overseers of these regions, but then he's got three officials who um, serve under him over those 120. Mm -hmm. All right. Daniel is one of those individuals. And at this point in Daniel's life, He's roughly like 90 years old. Okay, so we get this picture of, you know, Daniel going to his window and praying. And, and, and if we're not careful as we're reading it, sometimes we can think of like, you know, the young boy who's refusing the dainties. Right. No, we're, we're talking about a man who survived Nebuchadnezzar, who survived Belshazzar. Like, I mean, he's, he's, he's gone around a few laps here. Okay, and so here we have Daniel who has been faithful from the time we read Daniel, we open the book and we start reading. We are reading of a faithful young man. We're reading of a faithful middle-aged man. And now we are reading of a faithful elderly man, if you will. Okay. And what happens? What happens is you've got some people who are jealous and you've got some people who are wicked and some people who are coming for Daniel and Daniel has, well, this sounds very cliche and I don't even really need to say it because it's actually it's actually not true. I, I want to say, because it's like what people say, I want to say, Daniel's got a choice to make. <laughs> no, the only people who make choices are people who are calling audible, who are trying to, they're making it up for themselves, mm. right? So then you have a choice to make. But really, when you're following the rule, you don't have a choice to make. It's you do what you're told to do, right? So Daniel has this conviction that has been his conviction. It has been his conviction that he fears the Lord, his God. You remember um, eating the king's food when, when um, the, uh, the, the Hebrew boys mm-hmm. are exiled and they come into Babylon. And, and remember, the Hebrew boys had already purposed in their heart. What does that mean? That means that they decided before time that yeah. they weren't going to eat the king's dainties. They weren't, they weren't going to participate in that. So that tells us of the resolve of the type of man that we're talking about, right? Right, right. All right. So here we go. Uh, Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. (laughs) And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Man, I and let me tell you why my my pauses are because I'm trying to avoid too much like, oh, my goodness, let me stop here. Like, because <laughs> I understand it can be a bit much. I've been told even by the kids, like, oh, just finish your thought first. And then, you no, know, I think so, I think we want to hear. Is it OK? Yeah. OK. So yeah. let me say something here. Yeah. Sometimes we have to make difficult decisions. And this is I am not one of those people that I'm always looking at the word and then first going. Oh, what does this mean for us? Not at all. I, I, I think we do the word a disservice when we first start, like, what does it mean to us? I think the first question that we ask when we come to the word is what is God saying about himself? 
What is God telling us about who he is? Then what is God telling us about humanity? What is God telling us about his plan for mankind? Mm -hmm. Then you, okay, so now how do I apply this to my life? That's, that's one of the last things that you do. But I think in this case, there are some things that just kind of jump out when you are reading about Daniel that, you know, so look, we are, all of us at some point, going to be in positions where the Lord will require us to do things and to say things that aren't popular. And we will have very many excuses that we can use um, for why we can't do it, for why we shouldn't do it. Um, in Daniel's case, you know, here he is, he's ascending. With, that's kind of been like his testimony, right? Like that's, that's kind of been his testimony. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. It's like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill all the diviners. I'm going to kill all of the, the vision, the people who can see, because mm -hmm. uh, nobody can tell me my dream. And, and Daniel's like, well, hold up a second, you know? And he goes back to the guys and, and he's like, Give, let us pray about this. Mm -hmm. He goes back to the guys and they, and they pray. They pray and they ask the Lord and the Lord reveals to them what Nebuchadnezzar has seen. So this has been Daniel's testimony, right? That he's constantly been in the position where the Lord has exalted him because he has submitted himself to the Lord God. Right. And so here he is now, even under Darius, the same thing is happening. The same thing is happening. The Lord is exalting him because he's submitting himself to the Lord God. You know what we do in current cultural context? When we begin to ascend and, and whatever field you're in, whatever it is that you're doing where you feel like I've made it or I'm successful, whenever you start to do that, you start to feel like you can't do the things that you once were willing to do because that could cost you. So you were once willing to submit mm. to the Lord in obedience. And then in some ways you're like, man, the Lord really blessed me to be here. I've got this great position. I've got this. And, and the Lord really gave this to me. And, and you think, mm -hmm. you know, man, the Lord has been so faithful to me. And then you get there and then there's more call to faithfulness. And you're like, but I can't do it from this point because the drop is higher. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you would start moving up rungs on ladders and you're like, if I fall from this point, you fall from a step stool. You know, you're just it's like you laugh at yourself. <laughs> But you fall from a seven or an eight foot ladder, 12 feet, you know, um, it could be painful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But here is Daniel. He is in a position of power and in a position of authority. And the call goes out that for the next 30 days, nobody's going to be praying to any other God except like praying to the king. <laughs> and, and it's a plot. It's a plot, right? right? It's a plot to catch Daniel because those who hate him know specifically that he is going to be praying three times right. a day. That was the only way they can get him. <laughs> All right. Let's pick up right here when we get back. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Stay close. Our Father, which art in heaven. Yeah, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth then the high officials and the satraps sought to find, um, find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. <laughs> Man, you know, we're not going to be able to get him unless we get him through his commitment to his Man, God. Talk about faithful. 
because we have witnessed it and we know that that's like a clock. That's a sundial. We could we could yeah. set our sundials to his faithfulness. I don't know if they set sundials. I'm just uh, anyways. <laughs> then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, "O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any God or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. So now there is an appeal to um, to the pride of the king as well. Right. There's there is an appeal to the king's importance. Guys, I'm I'm trying to lay a parallel um, groundwork here. There is an appeal to the king's importance. All right. Verse eight. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. I, it's hard for me to read Daniel and not have the veggie tales. Um, <laughs> the, do you guys oh know what we're going to do? The king likes Daniel more than me and you. Mm-hmm. Remember that yeah. about King Darius? Okay, anyway. Um, when Daniel <laughs> knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. Can you see him? And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. He's wait. Daniel you could die you're giving thanks you're giving thanks you could die okay it could happen but you're giving thanks you're you're doing what is your custom then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction oh king did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you oh king shall be cast into the den into the den of lions The king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, King, know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Mm -hmm. Forgive us if we if we might be so bold as to say, I mean, we notice that you're kind of like hesitating. We just think it's important for you to know that you already said it. Mm. So it's got to happen again. It's an appeal to pride. It's an appeal to tradition. It just has to be done. So the pressure is on the king, right? All right, I'm going to jump down to verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. This is amazing to me. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet, with the signet of the um with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. This is amazing. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, Oh, Daniel servant of the Lord God has your God whom you serve continually been able 
been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. And you remember how the rest of the story ends, right? So all of the people who were a part of the big plot, they were yeah. part of the big C-O-N spiracy. <laughs> they are, and their families, they're all brought. And they're thrown into this den. It's not a cave. It's a den. They're thrown down into this den. All right. And and the lions devour them before they even hit the ground. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because God does something. He does. He does many things at once. This is what we know our God to do. Right. He he does many things at one time. Yes. He rescues Daniel. Yes. Daniel is encouraged. But the Lord also does something for Darius. The Lord also does something for these people living in this kingdom because there is a decree that goes out from Darius after that. Right. Like that men. okay, there's something about Daniel's God. Now, I mean, you know, it doesn't actually work this way that you can command people to worship God. Right. Like (laughs) your heart must be turned to God. But but but, you know, Darius doesn't know this because, you know, Persian and and (laughs) everybody answers to me. Right. 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 So. so, you know, the God you serve, Daniel, everybody has to serve him. Everybody, here, here. Let it be known today. So here is what is happening. Um, Pastor John MacArthur is calling for uh, pastors in America to join with pastors in Canada on January 16th to preach the truth in the pulpit on human sexuality and what God says about human sexuality and, as we call it today, sexual identity. Let me take my time here and go through this letter that was posted uh, by Pastor John MacArthur on December 29th. A Stand on Biblical Sexual Morality is the title of it. A Stand on Biblical Sexual Morality. A call to pastors to stand united on biblical sexual morality. Here's how he begins. Dear Minister of the Gospel, This is uh, Pastor John MacArthur. I write to you this Christmas season to call your attention to an urgent matter in which the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is under attack. On December 22nd, I received an email from Pastor James Coates of Grace Life Church of Edmonton in Alberta, Canada. You will remember that he was recently imprisoned for keeping his church open during COVID-19 lockdowns. James is a graduate of the Master's Seminary and co-author of an excellent new book, God and Government. James's recent email gave me insight into the Canadian government's decision to pass Bill C-4, which, quote, directly comes against parents and counselors who would seek to offer biblical counsel with respect to sexual immorality and gender, end quote. James indicates that it could be used to, quote, criminalize evangelism, end quote. To clarify the bill, James forwarded this email from Pastor Andrew Bartolo. And I'm going to read to you the email that was forwarded to Pastor James MacArthur from Pastor Andrew Bartolo. Pastor John, thank you for your willingness not only to shine a light on the situation here in Canada, 
but also your partnership in calling other men to preach on biblical sexuality on January 16th in unity and solidarity with ministers here in Canada. I and we are truly grateful for your ministry and service. Bill C-4 passed through the House and the Senate without opposition. Not a single dissenting vote was cast by any member of the Conservative Party. It received royal assent on December 8th, which means it will become it will come into law after January 8th, 2022. After January 8th, 2022. The bill will amend the criminal code in Canada to ban conversion therapy. It will criminalize, among other things, quote, causing another person to undergo conversion therapy, promoting or advertising conversion therapy, end quote. I continue. In the preamble of the bill, it says that the belief that, quote, heterosexuality, cisgender, gender identity, and gender expression that conforms to the sex assigned to a person at birth are to be preferred over other sexual orientation or gender identities and gender expression is a quote myth. Let me stop there. Cause I don't want anybody to be lost in the wording of that because you know, it's a lot, right? In other words, what they're saying is that any belief that God's design for human sexuality is to be preferred over any other confusion is a myth. Okay. Back to this letter. According to Canadian law, as of January 8th, 2022, the belief in God's design for marriage and sexuality will now be seen as a myth. The bill de defines conversion therapy as the following. Now, listen to this, because we understand that Christians do not engage in what has been popularly called conversion therapy. Right, right. So and, 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 and I really I hate that we have to use these terms, you know. OK, I'm going to I'm going to keep going here and but stop as I as I as I need to. All right. So this is how the Canadian bill defines conversion therapy. Back to the letter, quote, a practice, treatment or service designed to change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual change a person's gender identity to cisgender, change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned to the person at birth, repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior, repress a person's non-cisgender gender identity, or repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to the sex assigned to the person at birth. In other words, in other words, you cannot tell a person that they can be set free from unwanted, unnatural sexual attraction. Hmm. Wow. The definition back to the letter, the definition is intentionally broad. And it can clearly be used against any preacher or elder who either speaks against homosexuality mm -hmm. or so-called transgenderism or who counsels a person to obey Christ and abandon their homosexual or so-called transgender actions and lifestyles. This means as of January 8th, 2022, it will be against the law to preach, mm -hmm. teach or counsel regarding God's design for marriage and sexuality. Wow. 
everyone, quote, this is from the from the law. Everyone who knowingly causes another person to undergo conversion therapy, including by providing conversion therapy to that other person, is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than five years. Similarly, everyone who knowingly promotes or advertises conversion therapy is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than two years. So then you have to you have to ask the question. You have to kind of wonder, like, what would be considered like promotion of that, or like what like what would be considered an advertisement? Like, it, I mean, if we if we say that the scriptures mm-hmm. have the words of eternal life and that it sets us free from unnatural desires, mm-hmm. is that considered promoting and also preaching the word of God concerning these issues? That so that's considered conversion therapy, just preaching yes. preaching it at your church, like yes. as, as you would normally preach the truth of God's word. That's considered conversion therapy. Well, think about it because on a very like let's go let's go with the kind of simplest um, explanation here, or the the simplest possibility. If a pastor stands up and says, "Male and female, he made them in his image," mm-hmm. right? Then the pastor is standing up and saying that there are only two sexes, Mm -hmm. that it's only male or female. Right. If a pastor stands up and says, you know, from first Corinthians six Mm -hmm. and, and preaches that homosexuality or even effeminate men, Mm -hmm. that, that this is ungodly, that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then that pastor is guilty of, um, repressing a person's unnatural desires, saying that it's not natural. So by law, they want you to pretty much black out and X out portions of scripture. You can't Sharpie. Yeah, Sharpie. You got to get rid it's, of those. That's exactly right. Hmm. So, so here is what pastors in Canada and here is what pastor John MacArthur in America is calling for us um, to do. I'm going back to the letter here on January 16th, 2022, Faithful men across this country and many in the United States, this is still the pastor in Canada, and many in the United States as well, will be preaching on God's design for marriage and a biblical ethic on sexuality. Let me read that line again. On January 16th, on January 16th, 2022, faithful men across this country and many in the United States as well will be preaching on God's design for marriage and a biblical ethic of sexuality. So so basically they're saying they're ready to go to jail. They're saying we're about to pray in front of our windows. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was so New Orleans. I just went right. <laughs> it just happens, guys. Like, man, we ready. Yeah. Mm. That's that's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. We will be doing so, back to the letter, we will be doing so illegally, declaring to the state that there is one God and one Lord over his church and that Christ alone gets to both define marriage and dictate what is required in the pulpit. We are honored that our American brothers will be joining us in this. And then he kind of ends the letter there. You know, please feel free to let me know if you have any questions. But then Pastor MacArthur says, I'm eager to support our Canadian brothers and to preach on biblical sexual morality on January 16th. And I invite you as a faithful pastor to do the same. Our United Stand will put the Canadian and the U.S. governments on notice that they have attacked the word of God. 
I'm going to stop there. We'll pick up with this on the other side of the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. I'll black everything, like the million man march, but I'm talking about everything, dark heart, dark souls, dark minds writing dark flow, can I get a little light though, is there something I can fight for, hey we so black we don't know, welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio, appreciate you listening, I'm Miki, and I'm Will, that's Triple E with Lights On. I want to um, finish up just a little bit more from Pastor John MacArthur's letter where he is calling pastors in America to join with pastors in Canada who are gearing up, um, who are gearing up to pray in front of their windows. Mm -hmm. They are preparing to be arrested. They are preparing to be charged. Um, So-called hate crime. I mean, for teaching the truth of God's word, that God sets men free from their sin. Right. Right. Um, we in America, we in the United States of America have an opportunity to join in prayer for our brothers and our sisters in Canada and pastors have an opportunity in this country to answer, to respond to the call of this moment, to teach the truth. Um, and to do that collectively on January the 16th, back to pastor John MacArthur's letter posted, Um, December 29th, announcing this call to pastors in America to join with pastors in Canada. Back to the letter. We are all well aware of the evil power and destructive influence of the homosexual and so-called transgender ideology. Our government is bent on not only normalizing this perversion, but also legalizing it and furthermore criminalizing opposition to it. In 2012, California passed Senate Bill 1172, banning so-called gay conversion alongside New York, New Jersey, and Nevada. In doing so, or in doing this, the California government sought to prohibit any correction of an unbiblical view of sexual identity because, quote, California has a compelling interest in protecting the well-being of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender individuals, end quote. And on August 18th, 2020, the Democratic Party declared at the National Convention that it would, quote, ban harmful conversion therapy practices, end quote. The Obama administration appointed more than 250, um, as it's called for short, LGBTQ plus. But we know that each of those letters means something. Mm -hmm. And we better not just gloss over that. The Obama administration appointed more than 250 LGBTQ plus people to serve in the government. The Biden administration has promised to increase that number and they have done so thus far. Now I want to pause for a second here. This is not mentioned in pastor John MacArthur's letter. I added it. I'm not adding it to his letter. This is his letter. It stands alone, but I'm adding it as my commentary because it is also worth mentioning that President Trump in February of 2020 became the first president to name an openly homosexual person to a cabinet level position when he appointed Richard Grinnell as mm. acting director of national intelligence. Yeah. That marked the first time in American history that an openly so-called LGBTQ plus person led the intelligence community. And I don't think that's something that should be ignored. Mm. If we're, if we're looking at 
what what is happening in this country and what we're on our way to. And you've got people even within so-called conservative camps who are saying that we need to widen the tent pegs Mm -hmm. and we need to make space and room. Guys, we better call that out. That's right. I told you who my we is. (laughs) I told you who my us is. And this is look, this is the time. This is the time where we all better be on our knees in front of our windows where we better have the boldness to stand on the truth of God's word, where our allegiance better be to him. Listen, he alone has an enduring kingdom. Amen. He alone, he alone makes promises and keeps them. God alone, nobody else. All right, back to the letter. As aggressive as this political priority is to make perversion safe from criticism in the United States, Canada is even further ahead. On November 29, 2021, the House of Commons passed Bill C-4 with a completely unanimous vote amending the code to include, quote unquote, conversion therapy. Since this law takes effect on January 8, 2022, faithful Canadian pastors are going to preach on the issue, calling for a biblical understanding of sexual sin and eternal judgment that falls on the unrepentant and gospel rejecting sinners and the grace of God in the gospel, which offers forgiveness to those who repent and believe in Christ. And by the way, this is going to be happening on January the 16th. 888-589-8840. I'd like to hear from you on this. 888-589-8840. Sherry B is over in studio CC. She'll take your call. She'll get it queued up. Listen, it is the supreme, most um, disgusting, despicable form of hate to know the way to eternal life and to hold it back from somebody. To know the truth that sets men free and to keep it from them in exchange for a lie is the worst type of like, Face kissing hatred, I have, I, I could imagine. Mm. Like, it's, it, it is, it is to have a dagger behind one's back <laughs> while kissing someone's cheek. How, right. how do you do that? How do you say, how do you say, this is what I absolutely believe. This is what the Word of God teaches. But then you say, but you know what? Probably for you, it's okay. Probably you're, probably you're not going to have to worry about this though. The Lord, um, you know, he, he. He has written some things, but surely, you know, having, you know, made it out of the Roman Empire and, 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 you know, being over with the Greeks and everything like surely the United States is not the same type of place. Surely this word does not apply to them. And we had better. He, you know, was happening. And and I think that's what uh, Pastor MacArthur is doing. Yes. You know, we better heed what's happening in Canada over here because let us not think for a second Come on. that this will not happen here. Yes. Y- you know what yes. I'm saying? Because it's already yes. being tried. Like It's already, right. you know, we see uh, the beginnings of this stuff. This stuff is already happening here. That's and, right. And so I think as the church, we need to partner up with our brothers, with our sisters in Canada and be able to, like you say, pray for them. Mm-hmm. You know, pray in front of our windows and stand with them. Amen. But also preach the the full gospel. 
That's right. You know, we have that's to. right. Listen, look, we continue to be um, desensitized in this country. And we talk often on this show, even about the power of words and how words get redefined. You'll hear that coming from us a lot. There are certain things that we just won't say. I think, um, you know, in the next few weeks, we'll do a show on, um, on biblical terms that we will the great year, years ago, you started saying this, we need to use biblical terms to describe things. We Amen. need to say what the Bible says on issues. Right. And so you're the one who called me away from talking in terms of racism. The Bible calls partiality. That's right. Which, which makes sense because race is a humanly constructed term in the way that it's used. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you something else. When we say things like transgender athletes, even in opposition to it, look, when we say, look, guys, look, I, I hate, I'm not trying to play, you know, Dr. Doolittle with your brain. I'm not trying to, you know, but I, I want you to think of something here and then we'll go to the phone lines. When, when we say, ah, I really don't think transgender athletes need to be competing. What you have then <laughs> done is identify that mm. as an actual legitimate Group of people. Right. You're you're actually you don't realize it. But what you're actually saying is that a person can change their so-called gender. Really, what we are. They don't. A person can change their sex. There's male and there's female. So when we start saying things and, and well, should transgender individual. Well, what is that? <laughs> what is that? What we really should say is that little boys should not be competing against little girls. Because that's the fact. Like, that's the biblical truth of what we're talking about. We're not we're not talking about a newly minted group of people because what they are asserting is it is impossible. Right. You cannot. Every cell in your body screams out who God made you. You were not assigned a so-called gender at birth. That is who you are. If there was any assignment happening, it happened in the unseen places. <laughs> it happened when you were being knit together in your mom's womb. Your mother's womb. The woman who alone can carry the child. Men do not carry babies. Why is that something like people need to bite their nails to say? I'm sorry, I don't, I mean, but men can't, I, I don't want to offend anybody. Men can't, men can't carry babies. <laughs> That's it. You, you can't. And look, and, and, and praise God that the men listening to this show right now are like, hey, man, <laughs> right. <and> wouldn't want to. <laughs> Jeff. Mm. All right. Let's go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. Will the Great. Where do we go first? All right. Let's go to uh, Essence in Texas. Hi, Essence. Howdy. Hey, I just wanted to say. No human can cause a conversion to God's design. We Christians just point the way to Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who can make a conversion. So the Christian, the Christians can read folks using any scripture and let the Holy Spirit reveal God's design to them. And that's conviction to conversion from our Lord. Thank you. Okay, right. But we still need to also preach those areas of scripture that deal with it directly. So because the Bible deals with it directly as well. Yes, absolutely. The drawing power of the Holy Spirit will draw man and will convict man of sin. But you have to understand the culture and the time that we're living in. And the Bible anticipates this. The Bible anticipates that man will suppress the truth of God and unrighteousness. And we have normalized unrighteousness. So how does the Bible, the word of God, headed off at the past by going directly in? 
This is this is an IV directly in. It's like, oh, and also this so that you're not clouded on this. Right. And I I hate to say things like because God knew the time we would. Of course, he know. (laughs) Because of the time that we live in, where even among Christians, we have tried to say, well, maybe you can be like a gay Christian. Mm. Maybe you can be same sex attracted and maybe you can just have feminine tendencies, but that's not sin. It's just only the act. No, the Bible deals with that. The Bible calls that the effeminate. That's right. Some Bible change that. (laughs) Right. So with respect to what my sister is saying, yeah, you can preach everything, preach the full counsel of of God's word, but Mm. don't exclude the specificity of it. Yeah. Because it's there as well. Yeah. The Bible is clear. We have to be clear, you know, and we have to say unafraid and unafraid and say what it says. Amen. Well, the great. Where do we go next? All right, let's go to Delena in Texas. Yes, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make a point. You know how in the Bible it talks about Christians through their conduct also giving a good witness. If I walk down the street with my husband and my children in Canada, does that mean I'm trying to convert somebody? <laughs> Man, hmm. look, you know, I understand. Need to do the, that. Maybe let's, let's so. Let families all go out. Come male, on, female with children, you know, and just walk the streets. Hey, we just man, that's a, that's our family. That point is not lost on me. Wow. Like that's I mean, listen. Yeah. Let us be those living epistles. I I don't know how far this goes, <laughs> um, but, you know, that is something to think about. Well, yeah. the great. Where do we go next? All right. Let's go to Lisa in Tennessee. Lisa. Guys, it's good to talk to you again. Hey, Mickey, hey. I just I just love the passion with which you 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 talk about all this stuff. It, you're thank such you a for understanding all the time. Me. Oh, oh, thank yes, you for understanding yes. me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Okay, two things. Um, I have a friend in Canada, and she is a recent um, convert, not conversion from gay, but I mean she's a recent Come to Christian. Christ. Okay, yeah. sure, exactly. Sure. Yes. Okay. So, and I was speaking to her because I had heard mention of this C4, but I couldn't remember the C4 number, you know, and I was mm-hmm. trying to explain it to her. And she was like, oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. They wouldn't do that here. So she's totally unaware mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that it kind of offended her that I was bringing the point to her, you know, was it, and it kind of came up in conversation. Now, my question is, any way that you can post that on your website to where I can actually show her the letter and yes, absolutely. Will yeah. the great will take care of that. We we have it. We have this um, this information. We have this letter. This call from Pastor John MacArthur, and we will absolutely post it. We'll put it in the show notes. So if you get the podcast, it'll be there. But we'll also post it to the Aaron the Addison's page so that you can read it and so that you can share it as well. It's a great question, Lisa. Thank you for that. Let's try to squeeze in another call. Will the great. All right, Sandra in Iowa. Hi, Sandra. Hi there. How are you today? Good, Hello. good. Well, my concern is that we Americans need to stand up and stay before God in absolute prayer for them mm-hmm. and then speak the truth in love. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. God bless you, I Sandra. I agree 100%. Listen, here is now, we, we need to partner Join with our brothers and sisters in prayer for their strength that they will endure, 
that they will go the distance, that they will tell the truth about the word of God. Like we, we do not detach ourselves from the sufferings of our brothers and sisters in the world. There's one family of God, right? So if our brothers and sisters are suffering in Canada, then we suffer with them and we need to be praying for them. We need to be standing with them. But at the same time, and because it's so close to home, yeah. You need to recognize what is growing in this country and, and where the wicked intend to go. That's right. I mean, that's reality. That's not fear mongering. That's this is where they hope to go. Anyway, let us build up our spiritual muscle now until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless.